This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Man, I don't know about you, I'm refreshed just praising the Lord. God's doing something and He's going to continue to do it this morning. I'm just going to tell you right now, He loves you. He loves every one of us in here and some of you today are going to be ministered to in a different way. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. As you raise your hand, we're starting a new series here that God wants to do an extreme makeover in every one of our lives. And so each week, we're going to take people within the Bible, the goods, the bads, the uglies, and we're going to show you what happens when people to people when they have encounters with God. And when I hang out with God, there's going to be crazy changes in your life in a good way. Uh, open with me the book of Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Now, the very first person we're going to take today is the Apostle John. And John is the one who, who wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And he's the author of the book of Revelation. So we'll see some truths here to begin with. And then we'll just start adding to this. Listen, be open to the Word of God today. All right, Revelation 1, verse 1. The Revelation... Of Jesus Christ. Now, there's some nuggets right there just within that first sentence. If you'll note that the word revelation is is singular. It's just one, no more. So the revelation of Jesus Christ. It didn't say the revelation of end times, but it said the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the book of Revelation in itself is more about who than what. And so you'll begin to see some truths come out in this just by this, this passage here. So we keep reading the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. Shows you right there, John is the author. Verse 2, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Now, there's, there's two things that John is going to tell us about in this passage. Number one is the Word of God, and number two is about Jesus. That's what the book of Revelation is about, that I've got to learn to live by the Word of God, and I've got to stay focused on the things of Jesus. Verse 3, blessed, happy, fortunate, or to be envied, is he who reads... And those who hear the words of this prophecy, and those who keep those things. Now, right there is one of the secrets to being a believer that I, I gotta see the word of God, I gotta hear the word of God, but I also gotta keep the word of God. And anytime I, I get into a pattern in my life where I hear the word of God, I see the word of God, and I keep the word of God, there's gonna be changes in your life. When you get under the Word of God, the Word of God will begin to change you. In, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the Word of God. So the more I get around the more of the Word of God, the more is a transformation in my life. And this is exactly what he's talking about. Now, he ends in verse 3, and he said, For the time is near. Now, this isn't talking about this historical time. This is more a call to obedience. He said, where we're at in this place called life, I need to learn to obey. Same chapter, chapter 1, verse 9. I, John, 
both your brother and companion in the tribulation or the persecution and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. I was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, that's almost word for word for what he said in verse 2. Why was he there? For the preaching of the word of God and for the testimony or ultimately my testimony of Jesus Christ. There ought to be a testimony in every one of our lives of what Jesus has done. So we look at this place called Patmos. Now let me, let me give you a little bit of history real quick here. When the apostle John wrote the book of Revelation, he was the only remaining disciple that was alive. The rest of them had, had died or they had been martyred. John's own brother, James, in Acts 12, it says that he was killed with a sword by Herod. History tells us that the apostle Peter was crucified upside down. History tells us right here that this man named John, he was thrown into boiling oil. And when he was thrown in this boiling oil, you know what he did? He continued to preach the word of God. And it bothered the ones that threw him in there so bad that when they took him out, his skin wasn't scarred at all. And they became terrified at him to the point they said, let's exile him for a year on the island of Patmos. So this is how he's there. He's been exiled because of persecution for the name of Jesus. Keep reading with me. Verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. To Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and to the church at Laodicea. Now, Jesus was and is still into the church. The church is a big deal to Jesus. He paid a huge price for the church. And when I say about the church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking to the body of Christ. That's why be very careful to, to pop or to say negative things about the church. Jesus himself said in, in uh, Matthew 16, 18, he said, and the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. So the church was a big thing. So he sends these letters to these seven churches. And so we keep reading verse 12. John talking here. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And the seven gold lampstands are symbolic of the churches that they're light in a dark world. I believe that the churches in the world right now are going to come where we become the light in a dark world again. In incredible ways. You're going to see people turning to the church. Just look at what's happening in our society again. Verse 13. And in the midst of seven lampstands, this midst of these seven churches, there was one like the Son of Man. Now remember this with the Apostle John right here. He spent over three years with Jesus. He lived with him. He knew what he looked like. And when he references him here as the Son of Man, 
When you see the Son of Man, he's talking about the humanity of Jesus. We're going to get into that in a minute. But, but even when I look at this, when John wrote this, Jesus had ascended to heaven. And when he sees this image of Jesus, you know what this tells me? That when we get to heaven, we're going to resemble how we are here on earth to a certain degree. You're going to know who each other is. Even though we're not going to have this flesh, we're going to be in a spirit form. Now, I've never been to heaven yet. I'm not against Jesus taking me up there and let me do a little visiting. But anybody I've been around who's ever been to heaven, almost every time in every one of them, they'll say it seems like everybody that's up there is right around 30 years old. How old was Jesus when he died? He was 33. So in this sense, John sees him and he recognizes and he realizes this is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we keep reading there. One like the Son of Man. He was clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. That golden sash that was around Jesus, it signified the high priest. That's who he was. And his head and his hair were white like wool and as white as snow. And it signifies his wisdom and his eyes like a flame of fire, his judgment. And his feet were like fine brass, if refined in a furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters as that of royalty. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And everything that I can find out about the seven stars, those seven stars either signified the pastors of those seven churches or the guardian angels of those seven churches. And he goes on to say, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, the word of God. And his countenance was that of glory or majesty, and it was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Now, when I read this to you, the first point I want to make today is John himself got a revelation of Jesus. And when Jesus said to him right here, do not be afraid, I think even when John wrote this about what he experienced with Jesus, he was telling me and you the same thing. Don't be afraid. The book of Revelation is not a book of doom and gloom. It's a book that me and you can have confidence because of Jesus. He is the first and the last. And I'll tell you this morning, no matter how bad it looks in our society, hang on to the hymn of Jesus. Hang on to him, guys. We're going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And people right now are terrified, you know. We're seeing crazy things happen in our society. People dying for no reason and just uh, 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 crazy things going on. But he warns us, don't be afraid. He warns through the Bible also that in the last days, the hearts of many will fail because of fear. But listen, the revelation he had right here, John was saying, you know what? I don't have to be afraid. This may be a great revelation for you today. But you or me, we can't change what's going to happen in time. It's going to be over before long, okay? Just a little while longer and I'll see you. I won't sing all that. I may scar some of you. You never sing that song again. But it's the truth. So he said, don't be afraid, guys. Verse 18. 
I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades, the Greek word for hell, and of death. I have the keys of them. And when he says this here, guys, Jesus is now Lord over death. He's, over, he's the Lord over the grave. And if you're born again, just, just remember this. According to the Apostle Paul in Philippians 1, he said, For me to live is for Christ, but to die is the gain. You know what that means? We win. We win. As long as I'm alive here, I'm going to live for Jesus but for me to die and depart and be with Christ, which is far better, I win. So the first point, once again, is that he had a revelation of Jesus. He, he began to see that through Christ Jesus, I don't have to experience a spiritual death. And when John wrote this, I believe that was one of the things he wanted me and you to know. You don't have to experience eternal damnation. Give your heart to Jesus. Now, when John writes about the Lord and Savior Jesus, in the Gospel of John, he talks about the deity of Jesus, being the Son of God. I want you to turn back just a couple pages to 1 John chapter 4, because here in 1 John, actually in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, he talks about the humanity of Jesus. And it's very important through John's writing that he wants us to get both the Son of God and the Son of Man. Now we begin in 1 John 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test or examine the spirit. Whether they are of God... Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So you know what he's telling me and you? Don't be gullible. Don't listen to everything that people have to say. Now watch this, verse 2. By this. By this. Now he's getting ready to tell us by this what this is. You know the Spirit of God. That every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Is of God. Now there's teachings that go around that says that Jesus just showed up as a spirit. But if he just showed up as a spirit, then how was there any blood? The only way that there was blood that was shed, and there had to be blood shed for the remission of sins, was that Jesus was a man. And he walked this earth like me and you, and he died as a man the same way. Now right there he said that if ones will confess that he came in the flesh, that's a God. Verse 3, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. So John immediately, he lets us know about the humanity side of Jesus. Turn back to 1 John 1 and begin in verse 1. Now this is John writing again still, and he says, That which we have seen from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Now the word of life he was talking about was Jesus. Jesus became the word of life. The word became life through him. Now when John talks about everything that he did there in verse 1, you know what he's telling me and you? 
I was eyewitness. I saw it. I saw him. I touched him. I hang out with him over and over. I knew him in the flesh. Verse 2. And the life was manifested, and we have seen, and we bear witness, and we declare to you that eternal life was with, was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and we have heard, we declare to you, that you may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship was with the Father and with the Son and with the Lord Jesus. And so when you read this right here, he had a revelation of who Jesus was. He had a revelation of who Jesus wanted him to be. Now, to see the deity side of it, the Son of God, go with me to the book of of John, the Gospel of John, and we'll begin in chapter 6. And as we turn to John chapter 6, sometimes the book or the Gospel of John is known as the I Am Gospel. And what I'm going to show you here is this in this book, there's seven clear references of Jesus saying, I am, I am. Remember when Moses went before the Pharaoh in Exodus? He said to God, he said, who do I tell him sent me? And God said, you tell him I am that I am. And Jesus right here comes back and he says, I am. He's the son of God. Now watch what happens here. John chapter 6, verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. That's the first one. And when he said, I am the bread of life, he says the same things three times in this verse, in verse 35, in verse 48, and verse 51. Now get ready to turn your pages because I'm going to start moving a little bit faster. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to the again saying, I am the light of the world. Apart from Jesus, this world is darkness. Now think about that in your life. Before you got born again, was your world dark? Mine was pitch dark. It was bad. But right here, because of Jesus, he's the light of the world. Keep reading. John 10, verse 7. Then Jesus said to the again, Moses, surely I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And he was talking about his protection and his security. Same chapter, John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. He's saying this in in a sense, I'm not like the hiring. I have a genuine concern about every one of us. John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. That's the fifth one. John chapter 14, and I know I'm moving fast. John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way to the Father. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I understand what he said there. This was the Son of God. And he said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, when people come across and they tell you this, that every one of us are ultimately going to go to heaven under the same God, that's not true. According to John 14, 6, what did Jesus say? He said, the only way to the Father is through the Son. That's it. Now, if you're a Christian, 
That's my stand. I don't mean that ugly. I don't mean that arrogant. But unless Jesus is the center of it all, I don't ever get to the Father. How do you get to the Father in prayer? I come to the Father in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I don't mean that ugly toward the Muslims. I don't mean that ugly toward the Buddhists, the Hindu. But this is my stand right here as a Christian. John 15, verse number one, and this is the seventh one. I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And so right there, John wants to give us a picture of we're talking about the Son of God. And when John wrote the book of John that he wrote there, he references Jesus more than any other writer. No one's even close. If you study the book of John, look at how many red letter words are in there and you'll see what I mean. Also, the book of John is like no other book in the Bible except of Genesis. It begins in the beginning. The exact same way. Now, oftentimes when we see these guys in the Bible, like the apostle John, we have this thought. John has been this godly man his whole life. John has been this saint his whole life. John has always known about the things of God. But that's not true. Start or turn with me to, to John or Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And as you're turning there, let, let me tell you what's going on here just a little bit. Jesus has died and gone to heaven. And he's left his disciples to lead the church. So John and Peter get filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 3 verse 1 it says, and, and Peter and John went up to the temple to pray at the ninth hour. And on the way to pray they met, they met a lame man. And the lame man, he, he stuck out his palms and asked for an alm. And Peter looked at him and said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And you know what happened? The man walked. He walked. Just a little side note for you today. I believe Jesus still heals. I've seen a brother, my own brother has healed the cancer of it. If the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then he is. If Jesus would heal the woman with the issue of blood like he did in Mark 5, but he wouldn't heal any of us, he would be a respecter of persons. And in Acts 10, the apostle Paul said to an Italian, a Gentile like me and you, he said, I perceive that God's no respecter of persons. Why are you saying that? Well, let, let me give you a little healing nugget right here, okay? I told you to go to Acts 4. Turn back to Acts 3 and look at verse 16. Acts 3, verse 16. Now, what's going on here is this man gets healed. And all these people begin to think that Peter and John are these superheroes. That they have the ability to heal anybody. Now watch what it said. This, this is your healing reference right here. Acts 3 verse 16. And his name, through faith in his name, 
has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So he starts out and he says, in his name. In whose name? In the name of Jesus. Now watch the second thing he says, through faith in his name. So as a believer, I may know about the name of Jesus, but do I know Jesus? Do I have faith in that? And, and if you're believing God for healing, you got to get a hold of this stuff right here. That is just not, just not the name of Jesus, but I have to have an unwavering faith in him that he'll do what he said he'll do. It's big right there. You get a hold of that. So we go on, go to Acts 4 now. The people of this city are like, how did all this happen? They get so terrified by Peter and John that they arrest them and they throw them into jail. Acts 4, verse 13. Now watch this right here. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they saw the boldness, and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They were common men and ordinary men. So right there, they were untrained and uneducated. Guys, they didn't get dressed in in a phone booth. They didn't have a cape and a mask. They were Galileans. Both of these right here were fishermen. But yet, they were transformed. And they began to act like Jesus and do the things that Jesus did in his name. Now look what happens at the end of verse 13. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. John had a revelation of Jesus. But John had a continuing or a growing revelation of Jesus. And what you see right here is when it says they knew they had been with Jesus. Anytime me and you spend time with Jesus, we spend time in the Word of God. You have encounters with God. You know what's going to happen in your life? you're going to have an extreme makeover just like John did. The more time that John had spent with Jesus, the more he acted like Jesus. And these guys verified it right here when they said, he's been with Jesus. And so just like me and you, I, I got to get around Jesus. I got to make time for him. Do you know in Luke 10, he said to the two sisters, Mary and Martha, he said, the thing that's needed is to sit at Jesus' feet and get in his word. You get at the feet of Jesus, you get into the word, and you'll start seeing extreme makeovers. Now, in John's life, we have this thought that he was never a bad person, but he was. Do you know, in, in, in the book of Luke chapter, uh, Luke 3, Mark 3, Jesus referred to James and John as the sons of thunder. A lot of times I've looked at that as positive, but in a, it was in a negative way. He looked at them and said, you guys are rough on the edges. You guys need to be polished. You need to have some stuff knocked out on you. Now go with me to the book of Luke 9. Luke 9 and watch this. See, oftentimes when we, when we grow up hearing these stories, 
we have a sense these guys were, they were always right with God. They weren't. They just started hanging out with Jesus. Luke 9, verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him. Now, you got to understand this. The Samaritan and Jews, they hated each other. They didn't receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, the brothers, James and John, the sons of thunder, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? You know what he was saying? Do you want us to command lightning to come down and watch them burn up? Let us destroy them. Look at Jesus' response. But he turned and he severely rebuked them and said, You do not know in what manner of spirit you are. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy, but to save. And so when you begin to see this with, with this man named John, the more he hung around with Jesus, the more he acted like Jesus. The more he got into Jesus' presence, the more his love walk began to advance. And so when you read this about John and you see where he was at one time in his life, because he had a growing revelation of Jesus, his life changed. And when John writes all this, I believe he's telling us that you can have the same experience. When I think about John here, I wonder what happened when he got around his old fishermen, his old buddies. And they looked at him and they said, John, you don't cuss like you used to. You don't womanize like you used to. You don't even tell dirty jokes like you used to. And what's up with you always going to church? See, what God's design is for every one of us, that my walk and my relationship is stronger with him right now than it was 10 years ago. It's stronger with him now than it was 20 or 30 years ago. And that becomes some of the greatest compliments that you can ever have. When people look at you and say, what happened? What happened? I had an encounter with Jesus. He came into my life and not only did he, he, he forgive me of all my sin, but he started knocking all the crud off me and all the rough spots, and he began to polish me. You know, it was a few years ago, I was at my 30-year class reunion, and I had ones over and over say, what happened to you? You're not who you used to be. And I said, Jesus, Jesus. Well, it shocks us what you do for a living. I said, it shocks me too. But it's all because of Jesus. Now go back with me to the book of John, the Gospel of John to chapter 13. And we'll end with this, but I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to go through several passages here because you've got to see this right here. John 13, verse 23. Now remember, he had a revelation of Jesus, and then he had a growing revelation of Jesus. He never quit growing in the things of God. He kept pursuing Jesus. John 13, verse 23. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Now it doesn't say it right there, but it's John. One of the disciples whom Jesus loved. 
Now, this is a real interesting statement to me here. Now, get a hold of this. Who was the writer of the book of John? John was. So right here, John is expressing, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. Turn over to John 19, verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved. Who's the author of this? John was. Now get this picture here. Jesus is on the cross and there his mother is and there's Mary Magdalene and then John just happens to throw in there and there was the disciple whom Jesus loved. What's up with this guy? John chapter 20. Verse 1 and 2. Now on the first day of the week after Jesus rose from the dead, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. So here's, here, here he's telling about after Jesus resurrects and, and he, Mary Magdalene runs back and tells Peter and he just happens to throw in and the disciple whom Jesus loved. John 21, verse 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved. John 21, verse 20. You're going to get it. Then Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. So as you begin to look at this, you have to ask yourself this question. Was he proud of himself? Was he arrogant? Was he communicating to every one of us? Look at me, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. That's not what he was doing. That wasn't what he was doing at all. You know what John really understands here? Jesus really loves me. He really loves me. And all those times in there that he's talking about how much Jesus loves them, I think he wants me and you to know you're the disciple that he loves. He loves you. And what I begin to see over and over in this passage was not an arrogant, but John began to have a revelation of Jesus on the inside of him that Jesus really loves me. And Jesus not only loves me, Jesus will change my identity. And I believe in his writing, not only did he want us to have a revelation of Jesus and a growing or continuing revelation, but he wanted you to know he loves you. And for me to walk in that love and understand the love, you want to change your image about yourself? Start saying and believing, he loves me. He loves me. And there's some of you in this room right now that say, I could never say that about myself. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you so much that he died for you. That's how much he loves you. And you want to change the image of yourself? Understand, he's for you. He accepts you. And when John wrote all this, 
He wasn't allowing his past or other people define who he was. You know what? He was letting Jesus define who he was. And Jesus says, you can be what I say you can be. You can do what I say you can do. And you can have everything that I say you can have. And so what happens here is a man who began to experience the love of God. He wants us to experience the love of God. And so this is the keys right here today. You've got to start having encounters with Jesus. You've got to start getting around him on a daily basis. And here's the next key. You've got to keep hanging around Jesus. You've got to keep having encounters with Jesus. You've got to keep coming to his feet. And when I start having encounters with Jesus, and I keep having encounters with Jesus, there'll be an extreme makeover in your life. You know, Jesus commanded us, He said, love other people as you love yourself. I can't love other people if I don't love myself. And I'm not saying that in an arrogant way. The only way I love myself is I begin to see that Jesus loves me. And when I begin to see that Jesus loves me, I realize I ought to be happy how he created me. He loves me this way. Psalms 139 says that he wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully created every one of us in this room. In children's church terms, you know what that means? God didn't create no junk. He loves you. He's for you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.